good day to be in God's house. Can we welcome everybody that might be watching online, church family online, and the men of Lansing Correctional. We love you so much. I already, I got a little text update just a second ago that uh, they already, if they've gathered, they already saw one guy come alive to Jesus already this morning. They've seen a salvation there, and it's pretty awesome. God did some amazing stuff at Lansing this last year, and I think he's up to something even greater. So I just speak to you. It's a privilege. Even though we are only together face-to-face, -to -face, maybe once a month normally, uh, as your pastor at Lansing, I love you guys. We love you as a church family so much. And we believe God has great things in store for you and for your family this year. Amen? Hey, we're already standing beginning of the year. Hey, put your hand on someone's shoulder. I know some of you hate this. It's like the worst part of church, but you know what? You need a little love in your life. Some of you haven't gotten a hug yet this year. This is the closest you're gonna get right now. Put your hand on somebody. Let's pray for each other as a church. Everyone who's faithful, part of our church family, brand new guests that are here today. God, I thank you for the person that I'm standing next to, that I'm in the room with, on right, on my left. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. Let them know without any doubt they are loved by God, that they're not here by accident, that there's a divine purpose from heaven for their life, that today would be a day where you would speak. Today would be a day that you would encourage their hearts. Today would be a day, maybe you would even answer some of their big questions. I think that today would be a day you'd give them alignment and direction for their year. Today would be a day of new beginnings and the favor of God in every area of their life. Jesus, we're after you. We're seeking you first. We want to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, go and do a work in our hearts, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our families, all for your glory and all in the name of Jesus. Can I get a amen? Now, give me a big amen. Awesome. I'll tell you right now, the 9 a.m. was quiet. They were quiet. That might be your personality, but I'm gonna just tell you, when you step into this room, this is a loud room, okay? It's okay, that's not my personality. It is, for one hour, hour and a half on Sunday, it is your personality, okay? Awesome, say hi to your neighbor, grab your seat, we're gonna jump into the Word. It's week one of 2024. I wanna invite you to tonight at sundown to start praying and start fasting. Prayer and fasting working together. I'm not gonna preach on that today. I did that last week. If you want more information, you wanna be inspired uh, for what God has for you this year, go back and watch it on the YouTube or go and watch it on our church website. Um, that would be great. I did talk about how I ran 42 miles uh, in December without telling really anybody. And then I got up and preached the next day. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. And it was awesome all at the same time. And I just did it to prove it to myself and then maybe to encourage you is that you could do hard things, that there's more in you than you know. And if we press in sometimes, you might just learn some new things about yourself. How about most importantly, you learn some new things about God. And that's what I believe these next 21 days have in store for you. We're calling it holy ground because uh, we believe God's just gonna do something really significant in our church and in your life and in our city. And we're saying it's a kingdom first fast. At the other end of the 21 days, I don't want you just to be skinnier because you didn't eat something. I don't want you just to have more time in prayer. That's gonna be great. No, that you would be able to say that, hey, I started my year kingdom first. That as a church, every individual, every family, that we would say, hey, oh, our, our beginning of 2024, we, we went in on God first. 
that he went first in our pursuit. He went first in our priority. His presence was, was what we were after. He went, he went first. And let me just be really direct. Uh, as a church, as a staff, pastoral care, encouragement, whatever, we are here for you, okay? Uh, we're here for you. But one of the things we're gonna ask you, if this is gonna be 90 days from now, nine months from now, when we sit down, I'm gonna ask you, hey, um, before I hear all the things you're walking through and how we can pray for you and help you, hey, what did the beginning of your year look like? Did you go after God? Did you write down some things you were believing for from God? Did you spend time putting a priority on his presence? And I don't say that out of legalism. I say that to help lead you to your, what I believe, not your, uh, it's gonna be your best year ever. I can't promise that. I can tell you this, that if you pursue God, it will be God's best for your year. If you put him first, you're gonna experience God's best for 2024 in your life. Not without problems, because he actually grows us through problems and struggles and situations. No, but you're gonna experience it with the presence of God and with, with God's best showing up in your world and in your life. So we're gonna ask you that, we're gonna be direct, because I do believe sometimes you're just one decision or even one little short season away from radical change. Radical change. And as we walk, I think, slowly, by silencing some noise and distractions, that's the fasting part, and then turning up the frequency of our faith by hearing from God and by praying and leaning into him. As we walk slowly, we're gonna walk steadily and we're gonna walk strongly into this year, amen? Uh, this is 13 plus years of leading this church for Liz and I. Very awesome, yeah. 14 years ago, uh, just a few weeks ago, 14 years we moved to, to KC. Uh, did not have any kids, didn't know anybody, uh, but we did know God called us here, and we just started meeting people, inviting people. In fact, a person that works on staff I saw walking around, we met uh, at Starbucks, invited him to church, you know? We just, God, God's been on the move. And so from the very first Sunday I ever preached uh, to this Sunday, I did the math, actually Google did it for me. Um, it's 4,858 days. I've been the privilege of leading this church, Liz and I, for almost 5,000 days. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Not looking for the kudos, but I'll take it. Uh, but today, I, I did feel like before I came up for the 9 a.m., uh, I, I just got on my knees uh, in, in, in the back office space and just spent a moment there. And then my family came in for service, and we just rallied and we prayed. And I just feel like God, I, I just say this uh, with sincerity. I just feel, I feel humbled, I feel honored, and I feel hungry for more of heaven in this church family. I feel privileged to pursue God together, us together as a family. I'm not here just to lecture you. I'm not here just to teach you. I wanna see God's spirit, God's word, God's grace radically transform you as we're hungry for heaven to become the reality of our lives uh, the reality of our church and the reality of Kansas City. And so that's not my first time preaching. been doing it here at this church for 5,000 days nearly. Uh, but this is the beginning of a new season and a new year. What I'd like to do in January, I know we're fasting and praying, and I'll be here at every, pretty much every single one of the prayers. I'll be there and be leading. Um, and I'm excited for that. But what I want to do from our Sunday platform um, is really talk about culture. Talk about culture of the kingdom of God. And I think that's his culture for our church, but more than just our church, 
I'm gonna integrate some of the things we believe as a church. So if you're new here, I think it'll be great for you to learn a little bit about what we're about. And maybe you get a reminder for some of you what we're about as a church. But more than anything, what does the culture of heaven look like for your life? What is that? What does the kingdom culture look like for for you? So yes, it's us as a church family, how we operate, what we're believing for, what we contend for, what we prioritize. But also for you personally, what does it look like to be that kingdom first and carry that culture in your life as as well? And everything we do, we do with a foundation theologically, a, a foundation of scripture. So the things that you hear are not just slogans that we throw around. There are ways for us to remind and reframe our, uh, from Scripture our daily experiences, what we believe for. And so if we're talking kingdom culture, I want to say what I believe is the most important one for us as a church and I believe for your life. That we say here at Kingdom City, I would hope that you'd be able to say this about your life, that Jesus is the culture of your life. That the culture of this church and this house is after Jesus What Jesus says is what we're after is what we're after. What Jesus does is what we want to do. What Jesus declares is what we want to say and speak. The results of Jesus' life and ministry is what we want to see is the results of our life and ministry as a church. That we would be like Jesus, led by the Spirit, built by Jesus, looking like Jesus, and blessed by God. So that the city around us, Kansas City, would know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. Because we would carry that culture of Christ, the culture of Jesus. So that also means if it doesn't look like Jesus, that's not our culture. How many times do we get it wrong? All the time. Because even though we're becoming more like him, we ain't him yet, right? We're not perfect. We're not perfect people. You're not a perfect believer. So you quit pretending. But the, the culture of desire and the framework for our futures if we just want to look more like Jesus. So what's the priorities to Jesus? Jesus was actually asked that. What, what's the most important thing? Jesus, in your mind, in your heart, uh, what's the top assignment of every God follower? And there's all these rules and all these regulations and all these plans that, that God had even given his people and some people are trying to ask Jesus, hey, what's the most important one? Probably to, you know, to get him to catch himself or to, to make a mistake. And Jesus answers masterfully in Matthew 22. He replied, oh, that's simple. Let me tell you. It's to love the Lord your God with, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In other words, God gets everything. All of your affection and attention, it's to God. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he throws in a, a caveat to it. He says, but there's also another one. In fact, it's so important, it's right up there. In fact, they're actually both work together. Second one of equal importance. So this one's just most important, as important as loving God. He says, you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. Then we get into the whole Good Samaritan story because they want him to define who the neighbor is. But what Jesus is pretty much saying is that God gets everything When it comes to our affection and our attention, priority is placed on him and also on people. That we love God and that we love people. Jesus simplifies it so easily. But living that out, how many are living that out? It's not always easy. It's not always easy. Why? Because we got problems with people and we got our own problems and hang ups and 
we're doing our best and we live in this fallen world and he's still redeeming us, he's still renewing us, he's still changing us, but we haven't ever fully arrived and nor will we until the day of Jesus' return or the day that we go on into eternity. But in the meantime, these two things are to establish the culture of believers, that it is about God and it is about others, the way that you treat other people is the way you would want to be treated. And he says, everything in the law, all the rules, everything the prophets have asked of us from God's own heart get fulfilled or hang on these two commandments. In other words, if you can do these well, it takes care of everything else. Religion complicates things. Jesus simplifies things. Take care of these two commandments and you're gonna be doing really well. In fact, you don't even need the other, like the big 10 commandments. Because if you love God with all you got, there's no room for idolatry or other gods before him. If you love your spouse like you'd wanna be loved, there's no room for adultery because you would not want that to happen to yourself. If you love Jesus with all that you got, loving the Jesus way, you're not gonna kill anyone. You're gonna kill him with kindness. Like everything is taken care of if we could just simplify. And that's what I really wanna do in this month in January. Let's just simplify the culture of the kingdom of God. We make it way too messy and too hard because we're trying to figure all this out in this crazy world. But if we could just seek first the kingdom and the culture of Jesus, everything else that we need added to us as God transforms, transforms us. Selfishness complicates. Pride complicates. Man, does religion complicate? But Jesus simplifies. So our kingdom culture, we say, is Jesus is our culture. And it sounds real great, it sounds real poetic, but to actually live that out, it's costly. It's sacrificial. But it is a life of significance that you were created for. So if it looks like Jesus, we want it. If it doesn't look like Jesus, we're trying to grow out of it, get past it, over, overcome it. We know that this is a direction, this is a journey, not a destination. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says you could shake off sin and keep running with endurance. And how do you do that? By fixing your eyes on Jesus. Like keep looking to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, he's the one who starts it. He's the one that completes it. He's the one that we're looking to. He's the one that establishes what our culture and of our life and our church should be. And he's also the one that gets to edit it. He's the author. He gets to decide what needs to change in the language of your life, what needs to change in your perspective. He gets to write it, delete it, edit it, add to it. He gets the final say. So he's not just what we are to look to, like it says in Hebrews. He's also who we're called to look like. That's what Ephesians 5 says. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Look like God, act like God, talk like God. What does that look like? Well, that's God, but the Bible says that Jesus is the scene, the scene, the visible, visual representation of an invisible God. So if we're going to be imitators of God, what does that mean? We're going to be imitators of Jesus. And it says we're going to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And this is what it creates a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How many would like more of the fragrance, atmosphere, culture, of heaven in your life. 
in 2024 if we smelled a little bit more like heaven, talked a little bit more like heaven, looked a little bit more like Jesus? How many of you think that would be a win in life? This is why we must be imitators of God. This is why we have to replicate and duplicate and model our life and our mentality after Jesus. It will change the aroma of your life. And culture is like an atmosphere. Culture is like an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere in our city when it's cold, right? There's an atmosphere in this time of year when it's dark. There's an atmosphere, even like an arrowhead, when the chiefs are losing, there's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere when the chiefs are winning. There's an environment. There's a change there. I have to use terminology you guys understand and hold in a high place of priority. <laughs> By the way, remember that passage about idolatry. No other gods, okay? But there, there's a feel. There's an aroma. There's an excitement. There's an environment. That's, that's what culture is. So what is the culture of our life? It's the one that, that looks and models and looks like Jesus. Sinners were drawn to Jesus. Children, we're drawn to Jesus. There's something engaging and exciting about being in the atmosphere or around the culture of the Christ. It's something you want to be in. There's also things that you don't want around. You don't want on you, in you, influencing you. It's like I don't wear white clothes, especially around my kids. I don't even wear light, light tan or gray because the culture of my children, not my oldest, the other two, is a messy culture. It's sticky things on their hands culture. It's always stepping on my feet, and they're way more important than my shoes, but I also just try not to lose it with them, and they're always touching my stuff, because anytime they're around me in an environment, what they have on them gets on me. I wonder who are the people like that in your life that you need to watch who you're around, who you're allowing, who's stepping on your toes and not in a good way. Who's putting their hands on you and marking them maybe with their mouth and their voice and their perspective and their negativity. They create an atmosphere, an environment, or a culture that you don't want. Because we're in a culture that we don't want all the time. We are inundated with the culture of the world. By the way, the world is not our enemy. They are our mission field. So we don't kick the world out and just huddle up in church in our little small group where everyone talks like us and acts like us. No, we're on a mission of Jesus that's for the whole world. But the world out there does not get to dictate the culture in here and in here and in here. Romans 12 talks about that. It says, hey, don't fit into the world. Don't look like the world. Don't copy the behaviors and customs or culture of the world, but be transformed by changing the way that you think. Be transformed to look more like Jesus, more like Christ. I like how the message paraphrase says that, Romans 12. It says, you will fit in without even knowing it. In other words, if you don't define the culture of your life, culture will define what you look like to them and around them. So we don't let them define it, we define it. What are we defining it? We're defining it with the life, the lifestyle, and the priorities of Jesus. What is a priority to Jesus? You know, I grew up as a missionary's kid. Uh, I, we lived in Sweden for a while. Um, I, fed, you know, I still haven't gotten a tan since I was you know, 30 years ago. Um, but we lived, we lived uh, my parents did missions work in Eastern Europe, even the USSR. That's, far, that's how old I am. Uh, we went like undercover church, a church guy. It was really cool. Uh, I didn't think it was very cool back then, to be honest with you. I wanted to be in America, but whatever. 
But do you know the truth is, I never had to like try to learn Swedish. I just learned it for, like fluently anyways, because I was around it. I was young and impressionable enough. I didn't try, I didn't even want to. I had to learn it just because that's what I was inundated with in the culture. Do you know you pick up a language and you pick up a behavior and you pick up mindsets and mentalities all the time just by the culture that you're allowing around you? And so what I want to do, even with holy ground, is maybe even clear the ground. That we're going to be about the business of Jesus. And we're going to build a culture that isn't perfect. Why? Because we're all involved. But a culture that looks more like Christ. 21 days of going after the spirit of the living God. 21 days of us getting in God's word and lifting up our requests, our needs, our heart desires to God. 21 days of listening to what he wants to say. 21 days of getting out of the culture of the world around us so that we can reestablish the culture of heaven in our house, in this church, and in your life. So I got a couple things. I think they all build together to help you understand this culture and what it means for us to walk in this culture of Jesus. If Jesus is our culture, then mission is our mindset. We're not just thinking about me. We're thinking about mission. Jesus didn't just think about himself. Oh, quite the contrary. He left all the glory of heaven selflessly to come and to serve us in all of humanity to fulfill his mission. So if Jesus is our culture, then mission is our mindset. I think about young Jesus. Uh, his family was down from Galilee, from Nazareth, in Jerusalem uh, for a festival, for worship. And they went back home, but they didn't, like, they misplaced Jesus. He stayed behind. He's like nine years old. Okay, some of you moms just had a panic attack right now. Slow down, easy helicopter, you'll be okay. No, we all would. We all would. Our, our kid's gone missing, but they go back, and they find that Jesus has been there the whole time, talking with the religious leaders, chopping it up about, the, like, God. You know? It's like they, they, couldn't, they were baffled by how much Jesus knew. It was like, well, he kind of is him, and is the only son of him, so yeah, he knows a few things. They say, hey, where have you been? He says, hey, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, why did you even need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Like, if you want to find me, you know where to find me. I love the New King James. It says, did you not know I've got to be about my father's business? That I've got a mission. And I've got to plan. I even say for us, like, we got to be about God's house, but we also have to be about God's heart. Did you not know that I have to be about my father's business? There is a mission for me. Mission is ministry. It is not about me. It's not what God can you do for me. It's God, what can you do through me? If Jesus is our culture, the mission is our mindset. John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do what I want to do. My priority is not on my preference. It's on the one who put me here in the first place, I'm here to do God's will. In this mission, there is no room for me first. It's God first. If Jesus is our culture and mission is our mindset, then guess what? Discipleship is our decision. That we've got to be ones that are following in the footsteps of Jesus, 
learning the ways of Jesus and building the habits of the heart that transform us to look more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship isn't a three-year course where you're following one person around. It's a mindset and a mentality that I'm working the ways of Jesus into my life. And this is a year I believe God's going to take our discipleship to new levels. There is a soul-winning gift on this house. In case you are unaware, maybe a lot of us, a lot of us in this church did not grow up in church. There's not, it's not common for most churches to see multiple salvations every single Sunday. In fact, it's extremely uncommon, but it's common here, so we don't want to take it for granted because it's part of our calling. But what I am believing for, more salvations than ever before in 2024. But beyond that, I believe God's called us to build better believers, stronger husbands and wives, greater leaders in their community, men and women of character, conviction, and calling, not perfect, but being perfected as they become more Christ-like. And so if we're going to choose Jesus as our culture and mission as our mindset, then we're making the decision to be disciples. I will tell you, this year will be a year. You're not just going to learn more about God. You're going to learn how to obey God more. And as you do that, God is going to bless your life, but you're going to build and reach the lives of people around you. Everyone's still alive first Sunday in. We're good? Okay, it got quiet up in here. That you would be a Bible-believing, God-honoring, fruit-of-the-Spirit-filled person. And while the 12 disciples and the many others that followed Jesus were with him daily, They went where he went. We're not with Jesus physically, but we have the same spirit that raised him from the dead. It lives on the inside of us. And that spirit will lead and guide you daily, will move your life like it moved Jesus on mission. And so what moved Jesus will move us. My heart for you is to you would be moved by the very things that move the heart of Jesus. Matthew 23, Luke 19, we see that Jesus weeps over the city. Jesus, who is the solution to all that mankind needs, weeps over Jerusalem because they were missing it. His heart was so for the people that he's posted up outside of the perimeter of the city and he's weeping over us. Like, if you only knew what I came to give you, how I want to draw you close, how I want to bless you, protect you, help you, and heal you, but you missed your visitation. But Jesus is also thinking mission mission in the long run, knowing that after him, here comes the disciples, the apostles, and the church. And now we get to be a part of what was close to Jesus' heart. Jesus sees the city, and he weeps over it because he wants them to get healthy, whole, and alive to all that heaven has for them. And that's what we have to carry ourselves. In Matthew chapter 9, kind of crazy story. Jesus gets done healing and preaching. How many know Jesus, best preacher ever, right? He is the word that became flesh. Healing, miracles, come on. How many know outward signs of God's power, coolest thing ever? Amazing. And yet Jesus looks over them in the crowds and had compassion on them because they were confused. The Greek word there literally means harassed. They were harassed and helpless, confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What is he saying? Hey, shepherds are there to protect, to lead, to heal, to restore, to discipline, to train, to take them to green pastures. He says the preaching was great. I see it was Jesus. The miracles were awesome. What a move of God. He says it's not enough. People need 
help. People are harassed. People are helpless. People are confused. So if Jesus is our culture, then, then mission is our mindset. The discipleship is our decision. Then serving is our response. If we want to have the culture of Christ, the culture of Jesus, if Jesus is our culture, then serving people around us is the response of the believers. Everyone tracking with me? Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Preaching wasn't enough. Miracles weren't enough. Healing wasn't enough. No, he needs people to give, people to serve, people to feed, people to step in and take care of others. In the gospel story, one of the gospel narratives, there's this disciples fighting over hierarchy. Who's the most important? Who gets the cool title? Who gets to lie on their um, LinkedIn account? <laughs> Who gets to tell their, their amazing story? They're the closest with Jesus, the right hand. And Jesus says, hey, that's not the way the world lives. That's not, the, that's not the culture of the kingdom. That's not the mindset of mission of the ministers of God, of the people of God. That's the way the world thinks. Matthew 20, verse 26, is not, this is not the same with you. We don't lower the power over people. We lower ourselves in service of people. We don't puff up. No, we press in and bring help. He says, this is not the way that you're to live. This is not the culture of your life. Instead, if you want to actually be great, you want to do something great, you must be a servant. This is why the king of heaven washes the defeat of the disciples that walked out on him. He is showing us a different way to live. A counter culture to the crazy of this world. This is the way of the kingdom. That we have harassed and helpless people all around us that need a shepherd. They need a voice. They need a helper. They need care and concern. So this is why we bring healing in the name of Jesus to people. This is why we help people change their world by changing their mind by the renewing of their mind through the word of God. This is why we feed people through the house of hope because people need to know sometimes that there's a God that cares about them before they're gonna care about that God. This is why we help restore people back to dignity. This is why we minister to Lansing. This is why we do the Everything Beautiful Boutique for women and for kids. This is why we're gonna give in January to take care of the needs of people because it's more than just preaching and miracles. It's real life ministry and help. This is what it means to be a servant. To get down in the dust like Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery and to give her a new story and a new way to go. Not, not discounting her bad decisions, but giving her a destiny despite her own mess. He ministers to her heart and moves her on to her mission to go into sin no more. If you haven't been a servant, then you don't carry the culture of Christ. It's an area I think all of us can grow. Serve in the church, serve outside the church, serve at House of Hope. There's places where we could use your help. There's places, honestly, we're doing great, but you're gonna add more blessing, and honestly, it's gonna bless you. Go to Next Steps today if you wanna get involved with what God is doing here. I would just say this, if you're not walking as a servant, you're walking in less than God's best for your life. Because when you're a servant, you're more like Jesus. becomes the culture of who you are and the world that we get to build for the glory of God together. If Jesus is our culture, then mission is our mindset. Then discipleship is our decision. Then serving, serving is our, our, our choice. 
Serving is what we do and step into. And then finally, forever is our focus. The culture of Jesus isn't just for the here and now. It's thinking about the forever things. We are the people of forever. That's what we believe. This helps frame our world, our little Western world that wants mindset that wants everything figured out immediately and wants three steps to success, 24 moves to make for the best 2024, right? Invest in these three stocks and make these three decisions and take these three pills, da, 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 whatever it is. We're always looking for things just to be real systematic. But this is the wrestle of the spirit and of the heart. This is the culture of the kingdom. It is not... There's steps to take, and there's formulas that can build your faith, but to really become like Jesus, it is a move of the Spirit of God that you're awakened and alive to, and it's when you stop focusing on the temporal and start looking to the eternal. What is eternal in your life? Think about it. Can you answer, what, what really is eternal? I can give you a really quick way to filter all of this eternal and all this temporal. If it has a soul, it's eternal. If it doesn't have a soul, it's temporal. Is everything temporal bad? No, not at all. Is every blessing in your life bad? Not at all. It just doesn't get the place of priority that the everlasting does. And so we can engage with all sorts of temporal things. Your career, temporal. Your relationship with your wife, well, that's a soul forever. The raising of your kids, soul forever. The loving of your neighbor, soul forever. The reaching of the people of our city, their souls forever. Jima, Ethiopia, just in that city, 98% far from Jesus, souls forever. And so we learn to carry the culture of Christ and as people that serve and surrender for the glory of God, take care of the world around us by, by keeping our focus on the forever things. It doesn't get all of you all the time, but no, you're just not trading the, the forever for the, the temporary. Look, none of us have to carry a cross to pay for the price of humanity's sins. It's already been done. Praise God. But disciples do daily carry their cross and follow Jesus that we can look past even the sacrifice of serving Jesus to the significance of the eternal perspective. So here we have holy ground. Three weeks where we want the eternal, the everlasting, to be engaging with our heart, with our mind, with our prayer life, to be focused on the things that are truly lasting. Like it says in Ephesians 5, we're careful how we live dark days, making the most of every God opportunity that's around us, reestablishing heaven's plan and order for Kansas City by lifting up the name of Jesus and modeling our lives in the culture of Christ. Jesus is our culture. I love how this um, prayer, Lord's Prayer reads in the message paraphrase, Matthew chapter 6. This is my heart for our church. This is my heart for your life. This is our heart for our city this year all the things that we're gonna be involved in, all the things we believe God's gonna breathe on, God's gonna do through us. When he says, hey, as it is in heaven, be here on the earth, let it be here on the earth. I love how the message paraphrase says, it says, set the world right. God, do what's best. As above, so below. 
And that is my prayer for you. For you. 21 days, just kind of set your world, reset, a divine reset. That as it is in heaven, let it be the reality of your life. The culture of the kingdom would be the way that you would carry your life. The priorities of God would become the priorities of your life. The viewpoint of humanity, how many? We're in election year. Oh, there's going to be infighting and battles. No, no, no. Not when we have the perspective of the eternal. Not when we care for people like Jesus does, where we weep over the city and people that don't look like us or vote like us or act like us, or maybe they don't even like us. The way that we see them is like, no, our heart's here to serve and to love, not compromising, diluting the truth. No, it's knowing the truth that actually sets them free, but our heart is to see how can we help and how can we heal and how can we reach because our forever is our our focus as it is above, so let it be here. Let it be in your life. Let it be the culture of your marriage and the culture of your family and the culture of your house, the culture of your workplace. As it is in heaven, let it be here on the earth. Final scripture, we're done. You guys get anything out of this today? Ephesians chapter one. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're actually living for. It's in him we find out who we really are and what we're going to live for. What do we want to live for? What do we want to be known for in 2024? Come on, how many know we complicate it? Jesus simplifies it. We're going to love God with all that we got this year. We're going to love people like we've never loved them before. We're going to sacrifice and surrender levels as servants. We're picking a mindset and a mentality of ministry, of mission, not about me. It's about what God does through me, what God does through us. We're thinking about the forever things of God, what really matters, what carries weight in eternity. Let it carry weight in our life as well. And through it all in 2024, as Jesus is our culture, oh, we're going to have a phenomenal year. We're going to have a year filled with adventure. We're going to have a year filled with testimony. We're going to have a year filled with reconciled hearts back to God. We're going to have a year filled with ministry to the hurting people of our city. We're going to have a year filled with um, marriages coming alive again and coming back together. We're going to have a year filled with prodigal sons and daughters returning home. If Jesus is our culture, we're going to have a year filled with the miraculous and the everlasting where Jesus is the culture of your life, as it is in heaven, as above, so below. We're going to see a move of God in your life and in your family and in your marriage and in your career, that the culture of the kingdom would be the reality of your life. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. As you're standing, can you just open up your arms before God? Maybe those online at Lansing, just have a moment with him. I just want to pray over our year and your year. Us as a church, you as a son and daughter of God. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the fact that we're here today. We're watching today. We're in the room today. That means everything that came against us from an enemy that tries to kill, steal, and destroy did not work. It might have had an effect on us. It might have hurt for a moment. We might have had some hardships and some battles. There might be some brokenness. We might be walking into this year with a limp, but we are not walking alone. The God of heaven is with us. 
And God, you who got us this far are going to see us all the way through. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. So we look to you, Jesus. And then we ask of you, let this year be a year that you ordain for our life. Let this year be a year where your kingdom shows up in our life, through our life like never before. Let this year be a year where the culture of Jesus, the culture of Christ, is the reality the way that we live and the way that we love and the way that we serve this world around us. Help us experience your Holy Spirit in new ways, leading and guiding us into all truth. Help your word jump off the page and speak to our hearts more than knowledge that brings information. Let it be divinely touched from heaven and bring transformation. Let it change our way of thinking so we don't fit into this world, but we help fix this world for the glory of God. Jesus, go to work in every life some hidden things in some people's lives that you're about ready, God, to just heal and remove. As they bring it to the altar, you're gonna receive it and restore it. You're gonna change it. Gotta thank you for whatever they might have faced in the previous year. Only you can redeem it. Bring it all back and let you be glorified through it all. I do pray and declare, like that passage we, we said together, that this year, the God path that we're on, it drips with abundance. This year, the God year that we're after, it's crowned by you. As it is above, let it be here below. In Jesus' name, stay in a moment of prayer. Those online, those in the room, if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, come on, first Sunday of the year. Let's get it right. Where it matters the most. Hey, some of you came to church and for you, that was a big change. That's a New Year's resolution. Well done. But coming to church, well, that is a great decision. The decision that God's really after is who's the king of your life? Who's first in your heart? If you've never prayed a prayer that goes like this, that I'm a sinner that needs a savior, Jesus, I believe that your death saved me, so I give you my heart. Friend, you do not have salvation in your life. We, we complicate it. Religion complicates it with all the rules and regulations. Jesus simplifies it. It's believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, receive the gift of grace, you are forgiven. If you have never prayed that prayer, I don't care how many times you've come to church, you do not have God's grace at work in your life. You don't have a relationship with God until you come alive to this moment of surrender and the receiving of the forgiveness he's given you on the cross. Maybe you prayed the prayer before, but you've gone your own way. He's not first in your life. He's not Lord of every area of your life. Friends, it's time to come back to that place of priority to put him first. So you can see all the things he wants to do, all the things in heaven he wants to do in your life will become a reality when you, when you put him in that place of priority. No one looking around, if that's you, either one of those, first time decision to give your heart to Jesus or come back home to putting him first. No one looking around. We're all gonna pray the prayer together as one family of faith, but I'm just belaboring this moment because there's no better decision you could ever make in your life all of eternity than this one right here, right now. To start this year knowing that Jesus is king over your life. So if he has not been king and you're ready to crown him first, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. I want him first in my life. I see one hand up. There's two of you. That's awesome. Anyone else says, hey, I need a new beginning with Jesus. Three of you. Beautiful, beautiful. Four of you, five of you. That's awesome. I can't see. It's super dark in here. I might not be able to see you if you're online, obviously, but God sees your heart. That's wonderful. You can put your hands down. Now we can pray this prayer together as one family of faith. Come on, I'm here excited for this moment. This is beautiful. This is, this is as below, above, so below moments. 
Let's pray this prayer, ready? Come on, everyone in the church. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I was lost without you. I was without hope, but you sent Jesus to save my life. On his cross, he paid for my sins. He defeated death. He rose again so I could have a new life. I am not going back. I'm going after you. Jesus, you're first in my life. I am forgiven. Set me free as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. In a church that is excited about what heaven celebrates, as above, so below. How about uh, below, let's celebrate what happens above. Come on, let's give them glory to God. Let's tell everyone that just prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, and we love you so very much.